Welcome. You are listening to Sex, Love, Joy, an interview series hosted by me, Anayin Bjorkvist, in which special guests share how they connect the dots between sex, love, joy while actively pursuing their dreams. On today's show, I have independent author, blogger, and creativity coach, Gigi Renee. We talk about how she came to do this work, why attitude, her struggles with her mother, how being more of herself changed her relationship, making mistakes, and much more. If you want more of us together, don't miss us at Catalyst Con East this March, where we will be talking motherhood, depression, and sex. Enjoy. Hi, Gigi. Welcome to Sex Love Joy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'd like for you to tell us a little bit how you got into this and how you realized that writing was a huge part of your journey and how you became a coach. Okay, awesome. I love to talk about it because I know for a very long time I felt lost. I felt like I didn't have a purpose or an outlet and it was very frustrating. I can remember going back and forth to my job and I had an hour commute and I would sit in my car and I would just think like, this can't be it. There's got to be something else. Like I feel like there's something in me that wants it, but I, had, I just had no idea. And I wasn't really um, in, a, in a place, in a positive place, like spiritually and emotionally to even know like how to seek anything out. I was just so stuck in my comfort zone, in my familiar, but yet at the same time wanting to break out of it. So I reached a low point and I actually decided to go to therapy. And um just talking to the therapist, she was like, writing keeps coming up. Like, why did you stop writing? Because I wrote as a child. Um, I wrote as a teenager. I wrote a little bit as a young adult. But in college, I was so consumed with school and boys and partying that I kind of stopped writing. I stopped doing creative things, you know. And then right after that, work, you know, I became a mother pretty young. I became a mother at 23. And without that creative outlet, I think that was a huge part of my sort of spiral out into whatever, you know, sort of, <laughs> sort of losing myself, you yeah. know, and not even realizing it. So she's really the one who said, who encouraged me. She was like, you need to write. She's like, just, just try, just try to write every day, start journaling again. So I did. And around that same time, I was transitioning my hair um, from relaxed to natural. And so that was bringing up a lot of stuff. And I had also just sort of started dabbling in social media. So what happened was I started kind of first on social media. I was kind of like, oh, I'm washing my hair, you know, <laughs> just saying very, you know, just conversational, trivial things. And then I started saying other stuff, like deeper stuff, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, going to different places that were coming just because of the transformation I was going through in my life. And it just kind of all went from there. I went from social media to blogging to wow, like this is sort of that purpose that I'd been really inside just sort of craving, you know? So that's kind of how it all got started. You have the similar process where you aren't sharing what you're currently like in the moment going through. And I think that's where a lot of bloggers, they, they forget that boundary of like, if I write about this thing that I'm going through right now, it's not going to be fully processed. Right. <laughs> it might be a little bit too raw. And yeah. even, you know, in, in my own writing, I was putting my blog back up and I was like, oh my God, I wrote this. But I remember that I never was writing it like 
in the moment. Like I was always writing it after it happened. And that's like, that's something with your writing. You, you have so many boundaries. So what are like your, your three tips for like a brand new blogger or not even blogger, because I shared your link the other day in a face, in a private Facebook group. And a woman was saying, you know, I feel like I need to get stuff out and I want to start journaling. How do I do that? Right. And I was like, go to Gigi's site right now and, you know, find her, her e-courses. That's and, awesome. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I, I adore you. Like, <laughs> you know, we're like sisters with, yes, you know, from different mothers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just do like the top three things that, that they would do so that they are getting it out, but not like, you know, gaslighting themselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's really important because I mean, the number one thing is to, when you're writing, whether it's for a journal, Mm -hmm. for yourself, just for self-discovery, or if you do maybe in the back of your head kind of have hopes or intentions to publish it somewhere, it doesn't matter that first draft or that first just sit down. I encourage everyone to just freestyle it. Like, you know, if anybody's read Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, just the concept of the morning pages and just dumping on bleeding, dumping, whatever you want to call it, onto the page and not not editing yourself. I think a lot of times for us writers who identify as writers, sometimes we get in trouble when we're trying to edit as we write. Like, so we're, we want it to be brilliant the first time through. And so we're getting stuck because we just won't let it flow out. We're like, no, let me go. No, just, just don't even edit it. Just pour it out. So that's number one is let the internal editor go and just freestyle, just transcribe your thoughts. Just, I'm sitting here and my stomach hurts and I'm really sad because, it, like, just pour it out, right? For And time yourself. I'll do it. This has helped me tremendously just to strengthen that muscle that, that lets you write and to let you tap into that place that you, you know that place you tap into when you're writing? You're yes. like, oh, this is why I love to write. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to get to that place. And sometimes you might write for a good five minutes before you get there, you know, like freestyling. Yeah. Before yeah. anything valuable seems to come out, you could be writing for a minute. Um, so just do that for a little while and then go back. And then if you're thinking about publishing it or you have other intentions for it, that second round through, you're looking for those little moments of brilliance where you said a truth or you said something that really resonates and you pull those parts out and maybe separate it and build something from there or you just start to play with whatever content you've created and you know is it just for you is it something you want to dig into more like oh look at that I didn't even know sometimes you don't know that you feel a certain way till you write it right so a lot of good things come out um, when you just do the freestyle writing and then edit later and then the third thing would be if you are writing for an audience write for that audience, like have your audience in mind, like have a profile of who you're writing for. So like you mentioned earlier, I really target introverts, um, soulful, you know, women who just like love the moon and want to sit outside and, you know, and just, I don't know. I didn't start off with that audience in mind. I was just writing my, what, what felt natural. But over time I started sort of developing a profile, like, all these women who like my stuff tend to be sort of maybe quiet, soulful women who just love to read and poetry and, you know, just artsy. Like, these are the women that like my stuff. So when I feel self-conscious, like, you know, I have friends and family members that are the complete opposite of me. You know, they're very aggressive and, you know, their personality might be the complete opposite, but they're 
and I think of someone like them reading my work and I'm like, oh, like, listen, like, I don't even want them to read it because they're just going <laughs> to think it's stupid. And if I think that way, then it's going to be harder for me to write. But if I think of like you, for example, like you said, we have so much in common and we connected. If I picture you when I'm writing, it flows because I know you'll get it. I know you're on the same vibe as me. And I just picture that ideal person and that's who I'm writing for, right? So like when you do that, don't worry about, well, who's, you know, some people aren't going to get it. Well, you're not writing for them, you know? So that would, those would be my top three things. And I, I really love that advice because to me, when you're describing that woman, I see you. Is it really that the trick is that you're writing for yourself? So mm-hmm. how much of that, of that woman is you? I would say like, a hundred percent because it's because like it started with me just writing for me and then when when I did start to have a following and people started reading it then I got really scared like oh my gosh like this I feel so naked (laughs) but I wanted to keep doing it you know so it is me I am that woman and the way I reconcile that in my head is I'm I'm writing for women like me who you know maybe I think back to that 25 26 27 year old me who was writing back and forth to work just feeling like like is this it like I just I feel like I grew up without um I wasn't really pushed to to hold on to my creative um self like I wasn't it was like go to college you know go become a business person. And I was just sort of molded that way. And many of us, I mean, nowadays it's like we have so many resources, right? Like the internet and there's like inspiration everywhere. Um, But I just, I grew up in a time and in an environment where that wasn't pushed on me. So I, I lost it without even realizing that I lost it. So I really want to speak to women like me who maybe don't realize that it's okay to be that sensitive person who, you know, feels the way you feel like they're, you're not alone. Like, I just want to reach other women like that. So they know that they're not alone. Right. Yeah. And you've, you've evolved in this process too. You know, I see that you're, you're more into, you know, like you've gotten into, um, more holistic things and you've given yourself permission to like dabble into other parts of your you know your soul and even into like what nourishes you like you're more into movement now and how much of giving yourself permission to be naked basically Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. on the internet I so Mm -hmm. relate to that because you're like I'm completely naked you know everything's out there that nakedness gives you like this like oh I can grow wings now (laughs) and I've seen you like you you jumped and you you started to grow the wings on the way down, and so like, and now you're you know on the way up. Well, thank <laughs> so, you. Like, what other parts of you did this help? Like, what other areas <laughs> of your life did giving yourself permission to write freely did that mm-hmm. open up? Because that's like where the real juicy thing is for the people that are coming to you for coaching. They're like, I want to write, and they don't realize. Girl, you're going to fly. Yes. <laughs> There's so much more to it, right? Yeah. yeah. It just allows, it's just like, I think what you're really describing with the wings is like your freedom, right? So everything that, um, for me, that has come out has been related to that concept of just being, feeling free, freeing myself from, you know, on the one hand, there was, like you said, movement. There was, you know, I always danced growing up and then 
I created this limiting belief that once I reached a certain age that I couldn't dance anymore. And it, it just sounds so ridiculous to it me does. now. Yeah. But we <laughs> but do like, that, especially when you become a mom. Mm-hmm. I told myself that that, you know, ship had sailed and I couldn't <laughs> do it anymore. And it just sounds so ridiculous to me now because I'm like, and it all ties in with my whole message of just doing following your good feelings, like doing what feels good. Like, how do you want to feel and pursuing that? And I remember the way I used to feel when I would dance. And that was like, I was like addicted to it. I loved that. You know, when I didn't dance for a while, I felt like cranky, like, you know, (laughs) so writing gives me that feeling. Dance gives me that feeling. And then as I started getting older, um, and it just sort of tied in and me wanting more energy and to feel more, um, just sort of clear and, healthy and present for my work led me to want to live a healthier lifestyle. I've always been thin. So I'll be honest with you, like through my, I didn't, I never worried about, I ate whatever. I didn't care. I didn't worry about it. I didn't think about what was happening, what it was doing inside my body. I wasn't that conscious, you know, as a, as a younger adult, but think that started to change when I passed 30 and then, you know, just seeing my family members go through different ailments in their older age and me again, connecting it back to, I want to be a vessel for like a certain type of energy. And I noticed that when I ate certain foods and when I was in certain environments and did certain things, it zapped that energy for me. Even just like, you know, I still like drink socially, but even just partying, cause I was a party girl. I was a party <laughs> girl. <laughs> like, so even just getting like, drunk and just that I used to use that as my escape right and like now it's like I'm so high on life and I don't need to escape so much I would find myself habitually still drinking too much and I'm like I don't even need to like do that anymore so it did it triggered this whole process of just you know looking at different areas of my life and seeing where things didn't fit it didn't feel right anymore and like you know having the courage to acknowledge that and pursue other things like you know me wanting to to dance more and become a dance teacher and a yoga teacher like I was so scared to admit that because I was just like (laughs) to some people in my life they'd be like really (laughs) but the people who are close to me know like yeah yeah I I I can see that I know I know that's what you want to do so just go do it you know yeah and that's and that's great that like when we admit it and we put it out there into the universe you know the universe lines up and it's it gives us the yes because then somebody else will pipe in and say either, oh, I want to do that too. Or they'll say, oh, my God, go do it, Gigi. Like, yeah. I, like, I want to yeah. go to your workshop where you're doing that. Yeah. Dr. Maya Angelou's last tweet says this. Listen to yourself. And in that quietude, you might hear the voice of God. I'd like to know what the difference between silence and quietude is to you. Quietude is, is intentional. And it's a process of becoming more aware, more mindful, more in tune with yourself, making sure that you are always in alignment with your spirit because the world can become so loud that you start staying more in tune with that instead of listening to yourself. So I think quietude is extremely important and many people are scared of it, but there's actually a world of peace there. Whereas I think silence is fear, is based in fear. And you feel like you are keeping your natural expression silent because you are afraid of how people will respond to it. Um, And obviously, we don't want that. That's one of the things that I try to 
you know, shake people out of with, with the words that I write. <laughs> the piece that you wrote about your mom is amazing. Because it, it seemed in that piece you also gave yourself, you know, a new perspective on how you want to be with your daughters, too. Mm, yeah, it did. I um, I realized that, well, for one, just backing up, you know, with, with my mom, my mom suffers from um, a mental illness. From She suffers from schizophrenia. And for a very long time, I was so scared of developing that illness. And then when I had daughters, I was worried about them. Um, um, struggling with that and I think that when even I don't even know if I voiced that fear but I felt it and I think that we project that onto our lives and our situations when we don't sort of sort through it and figure out how to make peace with with um, you know it's fine for me to have um you know, some unresolved issues with my mom and her illness. It's fine for me to have that. I may always have unresolved issues with that, but it's not okay for me to not acknowledge it and for me to not explore it and try to make peace with it. And the way I do that is to write. So all the pieces that I've written about my mom freed me a little bit, like every single one, like each one, I wrote it because I needed that freedom. I needed to, to just say, so like the, I think the piece you're referencing is one I wrote somewhat recently just about how... Um, you know, just sort of deciding to let my mom go and not chase her down and not, you know, because she's right now she's kind of cut herself off from everyone. And there's a part of me that feels really guilty for not shutting down my life and chasing her and figuring out what's going on with her. But I have my own family to raise. And, you know, the woman, I think I said in the piece something to the effect of the woman that I am when she's in my life is just someone different. You know, and I don't want to be that person and to allow that energy into my life or my kids and just sort of deciding that I'm going to be, make peace with that, that that is my decision. No one else is in my specific shoes and I'm going to not only make peace with it, but I'm going to vocalize it because someone else might be in a situation. I, I wrote an article for Exogene and I don't know, I don't know exactly which article you're referring that's to. That's the one I was referring that's the, to. Okay, yeah. so the Exogene caused because it's such a big platform yes I still get emails like from people who just felt so seen by reading that and who just said thank you for sharing that because I don't feel so alone like some young like I've like a good amount of them were teenagers like in mm -hmm. the UK like young girls like if I had seen something like that and that's why I love the internet when I was 16 17 there was no internet yeah, yet me too <laughs> I thought I was the only 16-year-old in the world whose mom was sick. I didn't know what she had at the time. She was she was undiagnosed. But just to be able to be that voice for a young girl who just feels like, you know, sort of alone and like nobody's gone through what she's gone through for her to, you know, for those girls to say that that I made them feel better or that, you know, just allowed them to feel like they would get through it seeing me as an older woman with kids of my own and I got through it and it's, you know, that I can't even put into words, you know, how that makes me feel. And so far as my own daughters, I'm just so thankful to be, you know, emotionally healthy to raise my daughters. Yes. I just, I thank God for that every day. Every day, every time my daughter asks me a question, like, you know, that I know I could not have asked my mom, I'm just thankful that I can be there for her, you know, because there were so, there were so many things I couldn't, I was just always trying to be mothered, always. Like just, you know, I just wanted, I was telling someone the other day, like 
I, I had to, when I got my period, like I just had to figure it out. Like I didn't know, you know, like she didn't anything to do with, and, and she wasn't always that way. Her, it got worse as she got older. So it, by the time I was entering into my teen years, she was, she wasn't doing so great, you know? So when I was younger, she, I don't remember anything strange at all, but it's when I started to get older and I really needed that motherly guidance, everything was warped with her, you know? So just being able to be a present mom, I'm just so thankful for that. And it's, it became, that was a, a catalyst for me too. When I, before I started going to therapy, I was on this cycle of depression and anxiety and like, it was a cycle and it was like, mm -hmm. I could go to work and I could put on the brave face, but at night and on the weekends, I was very, very, just anytime I was not on in front of people, yeah. I was shut down. And I was like, I'm passing this along to my kids because it was getting to the point where my son would know, like, mommy, do you, you know, yeah. like my, you know, like, you can't you hide it from kids. You like, can't. They, they're so smart. <laughs> oh my gosh. They pick up, especially their mom, right? Like yeah. they're so in tune. The woman really sets the mood in the house, I think. And um, I was just such in such a bad cycle there for a few years. And that I was like, I'm not, I, I'm. I'm bringing this up, not bringing it on myself, but I was like in dread of something that hadn't even happened. Yeah. I just knew, oh, oh, like 30, I'm going to start getting sick or, oh, you know, I'm, de I'm depressed. Like I identified with that so much, like to the point where I limited myself to it. Like I'm just this depressed person. So just being able to get through that and be, um, teach my girls early how to handle their emotions and, you know, it just it's such a blessing because I didn't I got through I got through a childhood where I didn't have that, you know. And I I the part that you're bringing up about, you know, there was this role that you saw yourself as as like depressed. Yeah. And I've been in those shoes and I I I've suffered with depression my whole life mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that comes to from, you know, not having the mother that mothers like we had to step into the role of mothering our mothers and no, you know, at different spectrums of it, but it becomes like where you can't even claim your happiness. One in one of the the blurbs for your first book, okay, you talk about you know how you have to be brave and you have to claim what you want, but at the same time, you cannot like hold on to it too tight. Yes, and oh. I absolutely like that. Yeah. Gospel to me. <laughs> yeah. It is. It really is. Dive into that of how you you create it, but you don't mm. strangle it. Mm. It's the concept of non-attachment. And I like to say non-attachment instead of detachment because I think detachment is more like I just think of someone who's sort of aloof and not hopeful and not giddy with excitement over things because it's great you enthusiasm is like a lost art like it's okay to be <laughs> excited about something and to go for it with all your heart but just to not be attached to how things go because your your value is really in the journey right like it's really about what you experience what you feel who you become in the process of pursuing something that feels good to you so you don't necessarily know where that path is going to lead you you just know this is your path like yeah. this path feels good like this is i feel meaning in this path i feel purpose i feel like 
you know, this is what I'm here to do. And it's like a puzzle. You don't ask and you maybe don't know what that puzzle, like what the picture is going to look like when you're done, but you're, <laughs> you feel really purposeful and empowered putting that puzzle together. So it's just that you can't be, when we're so rigid and attached to things going a certain way, we just squeeze the joy out of everything. Right. So, you know, um, I'm all about, you know, and, and I do have to sometimes be mindful myself of that because I now as a businesswoman, like last year was my first year as a businesswoman. And I was so non-attached <laughs> that I was, I was like a free spirit with it. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to put all these things out into the universe. And this, I've been holding all this in for so long, working this nine to five where I only had a limited amount of time to do things. And I think that's why I just, I put out so much last year, but I didn't plan a lot. I didn't. I had to learn the business side, right? So the business side teaches, okay, you do have to set goals. You do have to envision certain outcomes. So it is tricky from that perspective to find the balance, but that's what I'm working on this year is that I don't want to, you know, I love the creativity. I love the independence of being self-employed. Um, and I don't love the business stuff, but <laughs> I have to think of it as a means to an end, you yes. know, like I have to do that stuff. And just trust that this is this is a, the path for me. And no matter how it goes or, you know, I can set financial goals, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I failed or woe is me yeah. if that financial goal, goal is not met, you know? So it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a balance that you just got to try to keep tweaking as you go. I totally understand that, especially not liking the business side. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Something huge that you did, you talked about, mm -hmm. you know, your nine to five. How did you ask for what you wanted? Because this wasn't just a conversation of, oh, I'm just going to quit my job and mm -hmm. <laughs> start writing and put out these books and whatever products that come through me. Like, you have a partner and children. Yeah. How oh did my you gosh. go from, like, dreaming at a desk <sighs> to, like, having the conversation with him mm -hmm. and you have an awesome spouse, you know, he's, he's supportive of it. How yes. was that? And was it as hard as oh. it was in your head? <laughs> no, it, it, it wasn't. I think we always make it worse in our heads. And it's been, that is another part of, um, like we were talking about the path and the journey, and you don't even know what it's going to bring about. For us, it brought about a lot of healing in our relationship. Like, I didn't even expect that. Like, I, um, you know, since we had kids early, we grew up together and I think you can relate to that as well. Yeah. We grew up together. So that means things were not always like smooth sailing, you know, and I always felt this, this passionate need to be independent and to not, <laughs> you know, need him too much. Mm -hmm. And while this was brewing in me for a couple years, I dreaded that conversation because that conversation meant the start of me being more vulnerable to him. You know Ooh, what I'm saying? I love that. Yes. Like I, I was like, I'm asking there. him, yeah, to, to support me and hold me up in a way I've never really have. It yes. was kind of like, I always had certain walls up. Yes. Um, and, but, and that's hard because you talk yes. about, and I, I know that you have more answer, but like, I want to dig into here because I know yeah. this is like a very sweet spot that you've just hit, Yeah. you know, and you do that without even trying. I love that. <laughs> but like, oh my God. Yes. Because like, we women, especially we women of color, like, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. We're strong women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're independent women. And I don't need no man. <laughs> but then you get into this relationship and, you know, you have the, the feminine and the masculine. And then, you know, you're an independent woman making good money. And it's it's hard to go home and be soft sometimes. And this was like a huge huge thing of like you know in my relationship I was a breadwinner for for many years and then to like not have those paycheck those steady paychecks coming in so like how did you deal with that vulnerability because that that's scary it's very scary and I think the only way I did it was because my passion for wanting to do this was that strong that's the only way I did it because I thought about it for a couple of years. And, and at the beginning, the first inklings of it, me first thinking about it, I was like, yeah, right. I'm never like, I'm not going to be able to do that. And then over <laughs> time, my mind started to change. And I was like, I have to do whatever I have to do to pursue this. Like, I can't keep, you know, like the audacity to quit my job, the yeah. audacity to ask my partner to support me when, like you said, you know, our, we hadn't had that type of dynamic before. And just to feel, let myself be vulnerable like that. I never thought I would see the day that I would do that, but I wanted it that bad. And another thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to really show up in my relationship. And I think that um, a lot of, I don't talk about relationships a lot, but I think that a lot of relationships, especially with women, we don't always show up all the way. We want to be, you know, what this man wants, or we want to just make it work, or whatever our reasons are. And for us, again, since we had gotten, we had started at such a young age and grown up together, we were still sort of locked into these roles that we had just always played. Mm -hmm. And it was time to, I needed to reconcile some parts of me that I didn't really bother him with too much. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, that's young. With, Keep going. <laughs> right? <Don't> stop. <laughs> there were parts of me that I didn't really want to bother him with too much. And this came to a head and I said, no, he needs to see all of me and I need to and I, I need to see how he reacts to it. And I need to see if he's supportive of it, if he if he you know what I mean, how he responds to it. And if I don't, then what are we doing? Like why am I, you know, showing up for the world, yeah. right? Like, but not at home, like with my relationship, I'm still keeping parts of me away. Do you mind you know? sharing what parts those might've been? Or those just more sensitive, like, yeah. just like, you know, the more whimsical, like, I just want to, you know, the, the artist part of me, I had been playing this role of this independent woman and, you know, and, you know, this tough and, and I just, the more spiritual, like the things that really drive me mm-hmm. um, have to do with art and creativity and spirituality. And I had kept that in this protective little box yeah. with him because I didn't know how he would respond to that. You know, I knew he knew that that was there. And that's one of the reasons that he loves me. But I never really said, but I want to like live from this place. Yes. Like I want to make my whole livelihood around that. And just the freedom to say that it might, to me, it doesn't sound like such a big deal right now, but at the time (laughs) it was, it was this huge thing I needed to do that I just needed to do. And the way he has wrapped his arms around all of that and just supported me and, you know, and has said things like, you know, like I used to be super organized and, you know, when I was working in corporate America, I was like, you know, very, just my whole attitude was different. And now I feel like so 
scatterbrained and, you know, <laughs> like always scribbling down ideas. Like, I just feel like my, I'm like, where did that person go? And just to have, um, you know, him see that transition and say to me, like, if this is who you, if this is who you really are, then I'm here for that. Like, th- I want you to be who you really are. And like, and to, you know, over time you're going to evolve and you're, we're both going to change and mm-hmm. there's going to be different versions of ourselves. And I want to be there for every version that there is. And I just like bawled, like, you know, I've been in those shoes and it's, it's hard. Yeah. Like when you let, it's like, and the funny thing is for, for both of us, we started writing it and we started sharing it and we weren't fully living it quite yet. You know, like we were like almost writing so that we could get the permission. So so we could get there. (laughs) And, you know, like, and we both had these supportive men that were like, why weren't you yourself the whole time? Like, we could have been doing this. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, oh, really? (laughs) And that's, that's what I love is, is like, you were like, I was just. Like you were being too strong for for what for like for what yeah yeah I I so I didn't expect the conversation to go here but <laughs> and that's amazing that we have that in common as well yeah and, right and so like now that you have given yourself the permission and you're so much softer into your feminine into like what some people call the woo of the spirituality mm-hmm. like how has she, how has he shown up you know in his as a man, you know, and as a father, because I know that I had to change him. And I think what a lot of women don't realize is that when you let go and you step fully into who you are, that gives your partner permission to be more, do more. We don't ask for the help because we feel like we got to do it all. We have to do it all right now because, oh, my God, he's not going to do it how like. He, he's not going to just step up like that. So how has he stepped up? He has um, very, very, I'm sorry, I'm multitasking now. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> You're mom. I apologize. <laughs> um, he, he, men, I think two things that men need are to feel supported and to feel needed, right? To, they provide and they protect. And... I think in my whole, like I said, my whole, I'm independent, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I think I denied some of that to him before. Whereas now it's like all, it's like that role. I just feel like that energy and that, you know, that, um, I guess the, I don't know if pride is the word I'm looking for, but just for him to really own those shoes of providing and protecting his family and feeling supported and loved and like valued it has just made, it has softened him towards, you know, towards me. And it has made me sort of, I never took on that role of just, you know, I've got to, you know, be on his side and support him. Um, because I had this, again, I had this, and it's feel, I'm sort of embarrassed saying it, but I had this attitude, like, I go to work too. Like, I don't, like, you know, so rub my feet. Like, you know, I, just, I had a different attitude and I see it so clearly now. I really couldn't see it when I was in it because I was in that defense mode. Like yeah. that ego, like I can't let my guard down because, you know, I just have to be strong and da, 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 da. And because, you know, probably some old resentment from when we were younger, you know, um, you know what I'm saying? Like that I said I had dealt with, but maybe had not. So it's just caused like a general just healing over 
everything. And it's just that is part of the path that I didn't even expect or couldn't have predicted at all. That has just been really beautiful, you know, for our family. Um, we needed that. I think we really needed that, you know. And on your blog, you said that at one point when you were like really in it in the corporate world, you mm-hmm. know, you didn't see your children as children. Mm-hmm. You saw them as almost a to-do list because you list, you know, the things that yes! you saw them as. And, you know, how, what advice, you know, can you give to the women who still are in that, you know, that corporate world or they have the nine to five, you know, they, and they, because, you know, uh, to be honest, a lot of us, you know, we might be on this path where we're like, okay, we're going to be entrepreneurs, we're writers, we're coaches, but every woman doesn't want to do that. Like, you know, a lot of women love their nine to fives or they love their corporate jobs. So what are like little things that you can share with them that would help about how to balance? Yeah. How to balance. Cause I know that towards the end you were doing it really well. Like you had figured out how to do your creative thing and do your nine to five. I think that the first thing that has to be in place has to be the why you have to know what your why is, right? Because that's going to be what you fall back on when things get tough. So for me, my why was emotional health. I knew that if I didn't write, if I neglected um, my creative pursuits, I would not be happy and I would sort of start spiraling back into that place where I was on that cycle of just, you know, thinking that there was a black cloud over my head all the time. So you have to know what your why is. So if you And when you say why, do you mean like why, your why of like you're doing something that makes you feel whole? Yes, even okay. whether, whether it doesn't have to even be right, like, you know, it doesn't have to be art. It can even just be, you know, the, the making time to go out with your girlfriends. It yes. could be making time to do things with your kids, date night with your husband. It just, whatever that thing is that you kind of, you know, you, you, you find yourself wanting to say, oh, I don't have time, but yes. you know, you need to make time. Yes. It could be exercise, anything that feeds your spirit that you really know that you don't you feel guilty when you, or, or like yucky when you don't do it. Okay. So, you know, I know for me for a long time, it was like, like you said, with my kids, it was like, I felt like my in-laws were raising my kids, you know, and I just wasn't, and I felt so bad because I, I didn't even feel like I had the energy to read them a story at mm-hmm. night. So my why for that was, you know, again, going back to the issue with my, the way I was raised was like, I'm here, I'm present, you know, and there's no reason why my kids should feel that like, oh, I don't I have a mom, but I don't really have access to her. That's how I felt. And why would I want them to feel that way? Why? Right. So, you know, that would be my why that would say, OK, I have to have boundaries with my work because, you know, it was getting, you know, the position I left when I finally left, left my nine to five, it was just getting more and more demanding. Um, and I had to draw boundaries of, you know, staying late, you know, um, trips, things like that, so that I could spend time with my kids. My why for making time for writing was the emotional health. Like I just, I knew if I did not, whether it was getting up early, like instead of, you know, going to lunch with everybody at work, staying back and writing during my lunch hour, just making that time was crucial. Whatever your why is, you know, and just knowing that, you know, we can get caught up in our roles and Sometimes we get caught up in competition. You know, we want to stay on the same level as somebody else or we're comparing ourselves. But it's just constantly doing that internal check where you remember, okay, 
Am I just doing things that I think I'm supposed to do, that I think are expected of me, that I see everyone else doing? Or am I doing these things because it makes me feel good? It gives me peace of mind. It gives me inspiration. And if you do that, and I do that a lot. <laughs> I do that like every day, <laughs> multiple times a day. So it's, it's almost like I have to remind myself that everybody's not doing that. Yeah, Everybody's not doing that. And you can go years like that, like chasing what yeah. other people are doing or what you think you're supposed to be doing, wait, chasing, ha- like trying to chase this happiness that like, this person looks happy, this person looks successful. Yeah. But are you just following after what it seems like they're doing or yeah. like what, what makes you happy, you know? That's so that's I mean, huge. Yeah. yeah. That's so yeah. huge with, with my work too, or, you know, it took me going through my whole process to figure out that, you know, I'm here to teach women how to embody their turn on. And it's not even just about sex, you know, it's more it's, than that. It's yeah. about how we turn on, you know, what I'm finding in these interviews, all three of you so far are not afraid to make mistakes oh, yes. out loud. Like, um, I realized early on with this journey, you have to, you have to just let yourself do that because it's all about trial and error. Yeah. Because if you're scared of that, you won't grow. Like you won't, you won't figure things out. Like your mistakes are part of your path too. Like, and just the more honest you are about it, the more people are like, love that, yeah. you know, <laughs> it makes it seem less elusive. Like, Oh, she's just perfect. And da-da-da. no, I'm just like and figuring it out. Just like everybody else. I'm figuring it out. Yeah. And you just, you put it out there, but you know that it's not about you. It's about them. It's about these women. Like, like, yeah, you know, hey, I found the lifeboat. Come get on it with me. Yes. Oh, that's perfect. Yes. That's what I want. Like, I remember feeling like anything I wanted to do was just going to be too hard. Yeah. Like, everybody made it look so easy. And everybody would say, oh, it just all came together one day. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to say that. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Like, it did, when I... It's still coming together today. Because yes. what, what you guys don't know, you don't, you can't see Gigi. But Gigi has been multitasking for half of this interview. I think she's cooking. I'm not sure what she's doing. So she's like throwing down in the kitchen and like I'm making the lunch for my man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like she's living out loud right now during this yes. interview. That's so important because then you show people that, you know, someone that they might admire or think, oh, I want to do what she's doing, it makes it accessible, like, okay, I'm still figuring this out. Of all your many layers, your sweetest one is? Mm, my sweetest one is my, um, I guess it would be my creative layer. You know, that's where I'm most idealistic. I most love and hugs and feel goods and rainbows and touching. <laughs> I really try to, I feel like when I'm in my creative mode, I'm very soft and I'm very fluid And I'm in that place where it's like all light, you know, and I'm not afraid of that, you know, whereas other aspects, I I still have some, you know, defense mechanisms and things like that when I'm sort of acting out from different parts of myself. So when I'm in creative mode, 100% is probably my softest place. Tell the listeners about your two books. So the first one was called The Beautiful Disruption. And that one was... um, really a memoir slash story um, about sort of my my aha moment 
if I guess I'll call it that. Um, it's called The Beautiful Disruption because it's about a moment in your life when you just something happens and it abruptly wakes you up. It abruptly just forces you to deal with everything that you haven't been dealing with. And deep down, you knew you weren't dealing with it, but you thought you could get away with it and just <laughs> sort of like, you know, just stay on the surface, not go too deep because you're scared to go too deep and get lost down there. So um, in The Beautiful Disruption, I really explored, um, and it and it's it's semi-autobiographical. I, I left some room for creative license. I wrote it almost like a poem. It's written in free verse because I really just wanted to make something different. I wanted it to be very different. And I'm, I'm always um, trying to be as much myself as possible. And um, I'm a little quirky, I'm a little bit weird. And I wanted the book to be sort of like this experience that just sort of you remember, if nothing else, you remember because it was written a little differently, right? Yeah. So I go from a girl who just found out that her significant other has cheated on her. Um, but then that incident, which is a very common thing for any, you know, buddy to go through, yeah. just tr triggers her to say it was sort of her breaking point. Like, I can't keep putting all of my peace of mind and my happiness in other people's hands. Like, I have to deal with why I keep seeing, finding myself in these situations, being hurt, being disappointed, like falling apart because someone else is, is, is mistreating me. Um, so she goes into exploring her history with her mother, you know, and, and just sort of you find out how she kind of got to that place and the things it's sort of written like a stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So you're in her head as she's thinking through, um, you know, her experience growing up with a schizophrenic mom and her history of just dealing with men and how she's, you know, just sort of, told the story to herself that she's broken she's damaged and she's always going to be damaged and she's always going to have to just take what she can get because she's so broken right and this was the story that she had told herself and she starts thinking well what if I told myself a different story like what if I you know changed that and stopped just limiting myself to just that like what 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 if I dared to do that so that's what that book is really about and just sort of inspiring women to change that story they're telling themselves and to break those patterns and giving them the I try to give them the thought processes to get them there you know because it all starts in your head yes. and the way you think about it and just changing that thought process that always leads you to the conclusion that things aren't going to get any better you know and just changing and how you have great days and then you have bad days mm -hmm. right where all of a sudden the black cloud is back you know um, and then Wallflower was a collection of essays that really was inspired by that first post I wrote about being an introvert when I really realized that so much of my audience are women who want to express themselves, whether it's through writing or whatever it is, even if it's just speaking up in their life, in their jobs, in their relationships or whatever, but are scared to say what they really think, scared to really show themselves. And I had realized I looked at my blog and my journals and I had all these essays and just writings about that. And I said, this could be a book. So that's how Wallflower came to be for quiet women who want to be heard. It's just giving you like the, the, I'm an example of someone who is just naturally sort of reserved. But I have a message that gives me the courage mm -hmm. to selectively speak out and to find um, find a voice that I want to share. Gigi, I know that you have a new program that's coming out. Can you tell the listeners about your 28 Days of Awareness? Yes. So 28 Days of Awareness, again, came from, again, inspired by many of my coaching clients who 
have a hard time staying focused, whether it's whether whether it's to focus on work or just to stay in their calm, happy place. You know, we have to go out into the world and deal with all different types of energies, whether it's in the workplace or even just our families. And sometimes we let people push our buttons and throw us off of the energy that we're trying to maintain for ourselves, um, staying positive and calm and productive. And um, so this in this 28 day course, you'll receive an email each day that breaks down different tactics, like specific exercises you can do to make sure you stay in your calm, um, focused, intentional peace of mind, no matter what's going on around you. You know, a lot of us, you know, I could have a non-productive day just because I'm sad, you know, or my foot hurts or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like someone looked at me funny and all of a sudden I can't get anything done today. So these exercises are hands-on specific exercises to help you deal with that and stay, you know, intentional with your energy, no matter what you deal with that day or whatever you have going on. And tell the listeners about your, your one-on-one program, the art of writing words that move. Yes, this is a new thing. Um, my coaching practice has really been evolving and started off with a lot of like self-discovery coaching and life coaching. And it's evolved more into creativity and writing, which is, I really prefer because you know, sort of as a highly sensitive person, I was finding that I was taking on a lot of people's personal problems and just absorbing them. And mm-hmm. like, I don't think life coaching is really the right road for me, but I had to try it out to see where it would take me again, like the path, right? So what I really love is helping people and really helping them get to a deeper level with their writing, whether again, it's for self-discovery or for an audience. So in the art of writing words that move, I work with women. I take two pieces that they've written, whether it's for their blog, their website, their business, or just for themselves. And I help them really access that, that sweet spot, that place where they're really getting through those walls of what they think they should be saying, what they think people will like, um, what feels safe into what really, really resonates and has an impact, not just on other people, but on your, on yourself, like Mm -hmm. so that you'll say, Oh my gosh, like, did I write that? Like, you know, (laughs) breakthroughs. I, w- I want people to write breakthroughs. So um, in the art of writing words that move, and I think it's going to evolve actually again next month, I'm going to sort of tier it because um, I don't want anyone, like we talked about being in business earlier, so many women will say they can't afford, you know, they want to work, they want to do it, but they can't necessarily afford that price. So I'm thinking about tiering it so that I can work with people on different levels. That's awesome. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. Um, you can find me at allthemanylayers.com. And I'm also pretty active on Twitter and Instagram at ggrenewrites. Thank you so much, Gigi, for being on the show today. Highly, highly recommend all her books and products and her coaching to you, the listeners. Get with Gigi. You'll change. Your life will change. Oh, so, thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for being on Sex, Love, Joy. Thanks for listening to Sex, Love, Joy. For more interviews like this one and my other work, please visit sexlovejoy.com. I hope that listening to today's guests talk about living their truths helps you in your quest to do the same. Remember, thriving ain't easy, but adding a little sex love joy to your day makes the living a whole lot juicier. Until next time.